This is SR1. The kick and assassin is time to close. We're on each other, trying to beat the cold. Carry your shoes and I give you my cold. We're walking these streets like the paper gold. Any old excuses not to go. Neither one of us want to take that taxi home. Singing a hot standing on chair. I love the lyrics. This is the script, everything they write. It's just so sentimental and perfect, and I love sentimentality. Yes. You know me. Uh, the script was actually my very first concert. Anna, you were with me. <laughs> I was with you, yes. That was 2012, I think, fall of 2012. So yeah. I saw them a second time as well later, uh, just maybe three years after that or something. But big fan. Anyway, this is Emily. And I'm Anna, and you're listening to Talkative Magazine on Air. Every week we give you some celebrity gossip and Hollywood news, all through a conservative lens, and we lean heavy on our music background, so... I know. You get a lot of music news from us. We can't help it. It's just too ingrained in us, so... I know, but, but... Fun fun fact about Emily, that second <gasps> script concert that she went to was memorable for a particular reason. Why? It's true. I got to touch the lead singer. So this this concert was actually smaller than the first one. The yeah. second one was at the pageant, which if you aren't a local, this is just a smaller venue in St. Louis. But um, when he was like, it was right at the end of the concert. My friend and I were already kind of headed towards the door almost because we were thinking of parking and all that business. And and he had made his rounds. He ran around the venue space on the outer edge of it. And like we had gotten to the edge of it because we were walking towards the door. And he like reached his arm out and touched a bunch of people. Yeah. Boy, he's got long arms too. He's a tall dude. He's a tall dude with some lanky arms. And, and his, yeah. it was long enough to reach me. So I got to touch him. <laughs> That's so. so fun. Well, there's some other music news we wanted to touch on. Uh, Emily, you want to take it Yeah. Away? So I don't know if y'all have heard this, but if you haven't, that's what we're here for. There is a song that's been blowing up. It is reaching, charting number one on Apple Music. It's called Rich Men, North of Richmond by Oliver Anthony. Yeah. And it's uh, not a song that Anna and I would typically listen to, no. but we listen to it for you. <laughs> so, and uh, hey, it's it's pretty cool. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So this guy, Oliver Anthony, you've never heard of him until this week, I'm sure, because he was nobody. He posted this song on his YouTube page and uh, overnight it blew up um, and is now number one on Apple Music's global charts, ranking up there with Taylor Swift and some other people, Morgan Wallen, that you know. So yeah, pretty crazy. But um, basically this blew up because of the lyrics. And so this guy's not a trained musician. He's not, you know, any, you know, slick and, you know, well-produced guy. Not at all. It's literally this video of him like in the woods playing a guitar with a microphone. With the reddest beard you've ever seen. This is true. (laughs) Um, Let me play a little clip so you guys just get an idea of what rich men north of Richmond sounds like and then we'll dig a little deeper. I've been selling my soul working all day overtime hours for bullshit pay so I can sit out here and waste my life away. Drag back home and drown my troubles away. It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, 
So uh, if you were listening closely to the lyrics, then you get a feel for the messaging of the song, which is basically, you know, us working class people are not being treated right. Like we have been suffering. We've been working long hours and we didn't get to the chorus, but or actually we did, I guess that is the (laughs) core or no, we didn't get to the chorus. That was the pre-chorus. So yeah, basically the song is just about these rich men north of Richmond, meaning Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. and how they're screwing around with our money and we pay too much in taxes. And he goes on to talk about, you know, like, the you know, these people that are 300 pounds, like our tax dollars shouldn't pay for their health f- bills. And- well, the, and they're like junk snacks, their right. food, you know, that, yeah, the we're not doing well. And for, well, I think obvious reasons this resonated with people. Um, But he blew up overnight. And so he's kind of this like small town hero. Um, Reportedly, he's turned down $8 million music deals at this point. Well, yeah, he he's like, I'm not a singer for the fame. And this is not what I'm looking to do. I don't want to play, you know, stadiums packed with tens of thousands of people. I don't want to I didn't do this for money. He's like, I just honestly was writing this music when I was in a state of depression and recovering alcoholism and I was not doing well and my lyrics are resonating with people, but I'm not here to be a musician like that, you know? Which I think is pretty cool. And listen, he's not my typical jam, but I really appreciate just real people doing things. And and I I think there's something to be said about the fact that this blew up. I mean, I think that speaks to what the majority of our nation feels and thinks. Living in the new world With an old soul These rich men north the rich men Lord knows it all Oliver Anthony Music. I don't know if we'll be hearing more from him, but you can check out Rich Men North of Richmond anywhere you get your music and also on YouTube. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I... Wanted to follow up last week. I had mentioned that a local park was closing down its playground. And since that time, I've learned a little more about what's going on. So Queenie Park is closing down its quote unquote Mario Kart playground for being unsafe. And again, I can't confirm what it means to be unsafe. If it's like the concrete structures are crumbling and it's an actual hazard or if it just means we don't make playgrounds like we used to and we need kids to have, you know, more directed play and structures that are a little more bubble wrapped. Mm -hmm. Regardless, um, this park is being renovated and turned into an inclusive playground led by a mom of a disabled child. So she has headed Teddy and Friends and this company that she's trying to raise money to um, in, make this playground inclusive. Sure. Listen, I you can see videos of her online. There's been a lot of donation efforts to get this up and running. I'm a little confused though, um, being that this is a, you know, a public structure, I would imagine there's tax money going to this. So I'm not sure if the gap is just to cover what the taxes don't or if this is entirely privately funded. I'm a little confused about that. But regardless, I do know that they've been doing like a lot of fundraising efforts to make this inclusive playground. Right. 
And you can watch this mom. I mean, she is just in tears every time she talks about it. And I can understand. She's got a son that has dwarfism and can't play on a lot of playgrounds. He just can't reach and his muscle tone doesn't allow him up on structures that other kids can get up on. And I would be heartbroken as a mom too. I get it. But I don't understand why we can't build this inclusive playground without getting rid of this really unique, really cool playground that we have that is like basically a historical landmark to St. Louisans at yeah, this point. That's my hang up because I mean, I completely understand where she's coming from. I watched a little video in her interviews. Same. I get it. And I know she was like partnering with another organization that has made, you know, yeah. playgrounds like this all across the nation and like has wild success. And it's really wonderful. Yeah. But you could tear down a run-of-the-mill playground to make this or, or no playground at all. You could build it somewhere where there's or, just space potentially. Queenie Park's a big park. Maybe just build it on a different area of that park. It's I such don't, a unique space to, it is. to use. And I'm kind of surprised, and maybe it's because I'm not in the mom world like looking into it as much as you, but I'm, I'm kind of surprised I haven't heard more pushback about it. The, well, I think it's because who wants to tell yeah. a mom of a you know disabled child, like, I'm not happy you're building a playground that your kid can access, right? So it's a catch-22. You're not allowed to talk about it because obviously it's heartbreaking for that mother and other kids that can't access playgrounds and want to go play with their friends but feel, you know, left out every time and can't right. do things. I understand all of that. And I feel... Like, that's a great cause. But do not put me at odds with you by tearing down something that's so beloved. I just don't understand. So that's my update. Um, I don't know where this goes from here, but I'm pretty, pretty frustrated about it. And I wish that I wish that there were conversations being had about can't we do this somewhere else? So I don't know what's next for them. I don't know how long it's going to take them to raise the funds and what the projected um timeline is on finishing this project but yeah I don't know me neither so uh in some other news you may have seen that Britney Spears and Sam Asghari are getting a divorce wow what a shocker right okay (laughs) yeah so not a shock because um this never seemed to make sense in the first place however they've only been married 14 months they had been together for a lot longer than that. Yeah, they've been together for years. I've been seeing him on her Instagram and stuff for a long time. So so it's kind of weird, though, because, yeah, we were seeing them together for kind of a long time while she was still under the conservatorship. And it was like, well, how did he end up in this inner circle? Because no one had access to Britney, especially under the conservatorship, right? It was like the whole court case was about how she had access to nobody. She Like her texts and calls were monitored. Her social media was locked down. She wasn't allowed to post anything. She didn't even have control of her bank accounts or when she could see her kids or if she was even able to have more children. You know, yada, yada. The list goes on and on about what was restricted for her. But suddenly Sam Asghari is allowed in this inner circle and there's been a lot of speculation about what his motives were mm-hmm. and if he was really in it, especially if if, you know, Brittany hasn't looked so um, stable in the past decade-ish. Um, and so it's like, well, ha- why would some young, attractive, seemingly stable person want to get involved with that in any kind of genuine way? This seems insidious. It seems like he's going after her clout and money and wants to make a name for himself by 
leveraging his relationship with Brittany. I think that's probably all true. However, in this, uh, you know, divorce, Sam is the one that has filed. Probably not super shocking. There's also um, some accusations that Brittany has been abusive to him. Mm-hmm. So I saw the headline that, um, you know, that there was abuse and that there had been a black eye. And I'm thinking like this poor girl, like she can't suffer more. And then it turns out apparently that she gave him a black eye and she's the one that's been abusive, which I guess isn't that shocking to me if this is true. I don't think she's in a super great place. And I do think, I mean, like based on what she posts on Instagram and has for the last few years, she just seems, she seems very um, like physically um, like not controlled. Yeah, I don't know. No, I know so exactly I, what you I, mean. I can, and, and, and this is entirely speculation, entirely, but I could picture that also carrying over into potential violence when she's emotional. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> just the way that she seems to move and dance and it all seems a little um, out of control, but it does. But I think I've seen people come out. Matt Walsh came out and said, you know, I know when everybody was talking about free Britney and you guys were like, you know, get her out from under this conservatorship. I never thought it was a good idea. Like she doesn't seem right in the head to me. I think maybe she needed the conservatorship. Like she's been unwell this whole time. And I'm thinking, okay, listen, I like Matt Walsh a lot. I agree with a lot of things he talks about, but I don't know about that. I've heard a lot of people say that a lot of um, conservative conservatives say that. And I got to say, I don't, I don't agree. I do think she's unstable Agreed. today in 2023. And over the course of the past several years, I don't know going how far back. I do think she's unstable. But I don't think she was. No. So I don't know when the change happened. And I'm inclined to think that the conservatorship was placed at a time when it shouldn't have been. I agree. And I also think let's just talk about conservatorships in general. They're pretty uncommon. They don't really happen to young people. They happen to elderly people, primarily people who literally cannot manage their own finances are at risk of being you know, manipulated and tricked and don't have, you know, a concept of how to manage things. So I think it's interesting to hear from conservative people, especially that, yeah, maybe Britney should have been under a conservatorship because it's like, aren't we all about freedom and personal choice? Aren't we all about like people having their own rights? And even if she is mentally unstable, even if she was back then, aren't there other ways to help her to get treatment without like basically making her a workhorse for someone else's buck right because that's the other thing she's not your ordinary person she's somebody who has since a young age her career has been benefiting other people she has been the breadwinner for people in her life you know everybody a, a lot of those child stars it's that case so yeah i do agree i think it's unusual especially from conservatives to think that the solution to an unstable person is to have someone control them. I mean, that I just is not intuitive, I don't think. I don't think so either. So I I don't know. I haven't fleshed this out fully in my own mind about what, what side I'm not thinking of here. Right. Um, but this isn't the only conservatorship that we should be talking about. So stick around because after the break, we have some other, uh, I don't know, unexpected news yeah. about a potential conservatorship that I'm sure you haven't heard. So stick with us. Talk to you. 
Hello, welcome back. Alrighty, we were talking about conservatorship. So this is pretty contentious, I think. So, Brittany, I'm not sure about that one, but here's one I had never heard. So a few years ago, The Blind Side, this movie came out, right? It was based on a true story about this football player who was adopted by this family. I never saw the movie. That's all I got for you about that. I never saw the movie either. Okay, good. (laughs) So we're well-versed on this one. Um, But it was this really heartwarming story based on a real event. Mm -hmm. And Sandra Bullock played the mom of the family that adopted this 18-year-old football player, right? Fast forward, yada, yada, yada. Here we are, 2023. And this real-life man, um, Michael Orr, is now claiming, oh, hey guys, um, this family tricked me. They did not adopt me. I signed papers into a conservatorship what? with this family. So what that did is it gave them rights over all of the money I made when I went into professional football. It also gave them all the rights to the money I would have made from the Blindside movie being made. And yeah, so... I don't I, understand. Yeah. Because so apparently it gave the rights to all of his earnings to the family that quote unquote adopted him, but apparently did not adopt him. He did not get adopted by them. He was put under a conservatorship by them. But why is he saying this now? That's a good question. That's what's weird. I don't really know. I mean, I think it's very hard if this is true to get out from a conservatorship. So I don't know what's changed where he's now able to, you know, get access to, but like, what's the deal? And, Hey, look, I don't know anything about conservatorships and what they really look like, but are you not allowed to speak on it? No, you're not. I don't think. Well, because because, because you're not in control of really anything. So not not that as a conservator, like a person under a conservatorship, <laughs> you're not allowed to speak about the conservatorship. But I think that that kind of goes part and parcel with what we're seeing with these young people under conservatorships, which is that all their rights are stripped away from them because whoever is holding them there is saying, you know, is, is controlling all their methods of communication. I guess, but it just seems like a really wacky, like, situation. And, and like, are they, do they feel unsafe? Do they feel threatened if they just say, hey, guys, I'm under a conservatorship. I, I don't, wonder. I don't think I should be, but I am. I mean, if that's just the truth of the matter, is it dangerous for them to be honest? Because that's what it's feeling like. All these stories are coming out and I'm like, what's the matter? Like, you couldn't have said this sooner if you thought it was problematic. Is well, there something dangerous behind the scenes and that's money what they all feel like super shady and super threatening or I don't understand it and okay well imagine that you have no access to your own money that you are this big time celebrity athlete whatever that's making a whole bunch of money but you have no access to those bank accounts and in order for you to keep making that money you have to play ball essentially because the people that do have access to your funds control you know what car you drive when you can leave the house whatever so how do you have access to the you know the methods and also what are you going to do especially as an athlete it's not like you're I don't know you're you're not in the public eye quite the same way I feel like you don't really get interviews the same way or whatever I don't know plus if that's true about this particular guy Michael Orr 
I don't think he knew until I don't know how long, but until, probably until he wasn't getting paid. Um, but the other interesting part of this is that, so Sandra Bullock, like I said, starred as the mom in the movie. Mm-hmm. She won an Oscar for that role. And people are now calling for her Oscar to be revoked because apparently the whole thing was a sham. I don't know about that. I mean, I don't think that's, <laughs> I don't think that's an appropriate expectation. How is that fair on her? The like movie she, happened. She yeah. acted her part. She she acted based on a script and a story that she understood to be true. But I even if think, it wasn't, it, even if it was fake, right? But I mean, right. Point being, she she played a character as accurately as she was told this character was, whether it's fictional or or not. Mm-hmm. And so now her Oscar stands. If you thought she was good in her role, she was good in her role. If you think the real life person she was playing was written unfairly and not an honest character, that's your business with the writer and the truth of the story. But that's not Sandra's fault. Well, I guess there, I think the outrage is not so much did she play the role correctly as it is that, but this whole thing was based on a lie and we shouldn't reward the family for, you know, propagating this lie now i will say i think it's awfully um you know i I think it's interesting because you've got an entire movie think of how many people it takes to make a movie Mm -hmm. the writers the people that you know have to interview and get to know this family get to know these people and all the research and fact checking and this and that that go into making a movie and along that process nobody was able to discover this and think Oh, this seems unfair. Oh, you guys are greedy. Oh, this isn't the honest, heartwarming story it is. I'll bet there's people that knew. There I'm had sure. to have been. There had to have been people that know. And then you do question, could the big time celebrity actress have known? Did she know? Hmm. I don't know, though. That that seems Maybe like a not. stretch to me. Because I, I'm assuming, probably, that she didn't meet the family. I'm sure she probably didn't like get to know them through the process. I mean, this is a speculation. Yeah, I'm I, not sure. I don't but, know. Yeah. What the, what the project looked like from start to finish and who was privy to what, but I'm, I am, but even positive so. there's people due to making that movie that learned the truth and nobody seems to bother with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I so mean, yeah, in that case, you know, you can question the credibility of the movie because of the, ethical or not very ethical means of making it if people were being shady about it i think that's fair to question but i don't think sandra bullock's oscar should get taken away from her no i agree well there's another actor that's being uh accused of something bad here Mm. this one i have mixed feelings about so bradley cooper is starring in a movie about leonard bernstein who is a composer he's a jewish composer And he's playing Leonard Bernstein. Mm -hmm. Um, And for the role, he has been wearing a prosthetic nose to make his nose look bigger. And people are outraged about this because they're saying that's anti-Semitic because it's like perpetuating a stereotype about Jewish people. Not that he's putting on the nose to look more like Leonard Bernstein, but that he's putting on the nose as a non-Jewish actor to you know, play Jewish, like well, Jewish to, to perpetuate a stereotype about Jewish people. But is that what Leonard Bernstein looked like? Yeah. And mm-hmm. actually the article that I saw was really funny because they did a side by side of Bradley Cooper with his prosthetic nose with a profile shot of Leonard Bernstein. And I'm like, well, yeah, like he, had he does, to. he does look more like him now. Like, yeah, they, they did this for a reason. 
well, that's not founded then because if that's what he needed to do to look the part, that's what he needed to do to look the part. It's that simple. We don't feel bad when people age themselves up. We don't feel bad when people put on all prosthetic makeup and make themselves look like all kinds of other things. I don't know. I don't, I don't see any issue with this. I don't see any issue with this at all. He's he's not portraying a generic Jewish person and therefore they're just perpetuating a stereotype of how can we make him look like a more Jewish man? And no, he's actually playing a real life person that existed and this nose makes him look more like that person. Then that is a-okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I agree. In (laughs) fact, it's helpful. It helps him look the part. Uh, Yeah, I know. I think it is exactly what he should have done. Yeah. And, and I also don't see a way around it because again, this gets into weird territory for me about like, well, do we have to only cast actors that are actually what they're playing? Because no. that seems to remove the purpose of acting. That takes away, yeah, part of the art of acting and the challenge yeah. of, or or the skill, or whatever it takes to portray something you aren't. That's what acting is. You're being something you aren't. That is acting. Right. So where do you draw the boundary of, oh, you can play something you aren't, but not if it's that. Like, no. <laughs> right. You know, you Unless can't play that. that. You have to be that to play that. Uh, speaking of new movies, there is another Disney animated remake coming out as a real life film. Uh, Snow White, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves is being released live action. It's coming out in 2024. And there has been some talk all of a sudden because our leading lady (sighs) playing Snow White, Rachel Zegler, is popping up in these interviews she's been having recently. And I think just about everybody's taking issue. Yeah. Well, can I start, though, by saying that she's not white like the purpose of Ah, the movie being called snow white is that snow white has skin that is pale as hell that's why in the remakes on this classic tale that came out or in the 2010s we had uh gosh what was her name lily collins lily collins was playing snow white pale 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 that's the point of her being called Snow White. Yes. And now we have this. Is she Latina? I'm what not is she? sure. She's I'm not tan. sure her background, but she's, she's got tan and dark hair. Lovely. Yeah. Tan skin. And she played Maria in West Side Story. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> to hearken to this. Hey, well, shouldn't you be what you are to play that part? Um, I think that is interesting. Back to back. You're right. That's a good point. Um, but Rachel Zegler has been. Gosh. Well, I'm just going to play an interview <laughs> clip for you and, and we can then talk about the yeah. impression that she gives off. So here's Rachel Zegler talking on the red carpet about the new Snow White movie. I know that you've told me before that your version of Snow White is different and it's more of a 2022 version of Snow White. What did you mean by that? I mean, you know, the, the original cartoon came out in 1937 and very evidently so. <laughs> um, there is a big focus on her love story. Um, with a guy who literally stalks her. Yeah. <laughs> weird. Super weird. So we didn't do that this time. So no, so no prince or a different kind of prince? We have a different approach to what I'm sure a lot of people will assume is a love story just because like we cast a guy in the movie. Right. Andrew Burnap, great dude. Yep. Um, it's, uh, it's one of those things that I think everyone's going to have their assumptions about what it's actually going to be. But uh, it's really not about the love story at all, which is really, really wonderful. And whether or not she finds love along the way is anybody's guess until 2024 um all of andrew's scenes could get cut who knows it's hollywood baby but it's it's one of those things it's an inner it's an inner journey that she goes on to find her true self wow wow 
I couldn't dislike her more. <laughs> I just hear she just sounds, oh gosh, conceited. Completely. And honestly, like ungrateful. In a, yes. Like she just has this. <sighs> she's For context, she's 22. So she's that Gen Z generation. Um, yeah. And green at that. Like she's new to the, right. to the business. You know, she's young and doesn't have all this red carpet PR training, but that's fair. And I, and I saw somebody else who is common commenting on this saying, well, she also comes from a theater background and stereotypically theater kids sometimes come off a little more pretentious than your Hollywood folk, but thousand percent. Yeah. Thousand percent. Um, but man, it's not a, just a her thing. It's a generational thing. This, this idea of it's so fun and easy and what an easy jab and to make jokes about the past, you know, like, Oh, I know oh, everything like socially before you the 2010s or whatever it was just so uh, they just didn't know anything and right. how what the 1937 like we're not gonna mimic that story at all are you kidding we're gonna make it all mm-hmm. about her personal inner journey we don't need love we might even cut out the man's role altogether that was so bratty like yeah. cool dude cool dude his scenes might get cut <clears throat> and i'm like yeah. oh, okay like that first of all is your coworker, like bare minimum, be respectful right. of this actual person that you're working with that you have to shoot scenes with. But even that aside, I've seen other clips of her. D- people are getting on her case because she's also like totally lying in interviews about. <laughs> so, so she's been on multiple talk shows over the course of they've been prepping this role for quite a while at this point. And she's been talking about going to Disneyland as a kid, Disney World, and riding the Snow White ride. And in the one interview, she's saying, you know, oh, I went on that once and oh, like never going again. I thought it was so scary. It was creepy. It was like Snow White and, you know, whatever. And, And then on the other, in another interview, she's like, yeah, we used to go as a kid. So Snow White is like part of my childhood. You know, like I grew up on that, you know, and so I'm really, people are like, why are you pandering? Why are you saying that oh, you're so scared of it in one video and then you used to write it all the time as a kid and go with your family every year in another video and I don't understand what this back and forth is, why you seem so ungrateful. So she did release an apology video. Did you see this? I did not. Oh my God. Okay, we have to play part of that because I want you to get an impression of, well, I'm not even sure it is an apology video, to be honest. Um, so Okay, let's pull that up. Yo is going to get taken out of context. And I know that at this point, I can't really stop people from doing that because... That's what my whole existence on the internet is, is just me being taken out of context and stuff, uh, which is fine. That's what I signed up for, isn't it? Um, but I never wanted to come off as me being ungrateful for the opportunities I have. When I say that this has been the biggest adjustment of my life, like understanding the way my life operates now, being who I am, and the things that I've been so fortunate to make, it comes with so much ground. So much ground that I never thought I would be able to cover and that people think I'm doing poorly and other people think I'm doing gracefully and I don't think I'm doing it at all. (laughs) All right. So that's her. uh, That's a piece of her apology video. Apology, though. Uh, Where? I'm not sure. So we can talk about this when we return because I do have some thoughts. So stick with us and we'll break this down a little more. When's the day you Sundays.
Talkative. I could talk all day long about the Magazine news, on giving it. you the current affairs of my views. I could talk all night long about a song, giving you the pointers on where you're going wrong. Should this be our anthem? <laughs> it should be. We're talkative. <laughs> Magazine on air. <laughs> all right. When we left off, we were talking about Rachel Zegler, the star of the upcoming live-action Snow White film and how absolutely insufferable she is and how <laughs> she is this entitled grateful ungrateful I'm sorry entitled ungrateful little Gen Z girl bopping around saying things people don't like so she released an <laughs> apology video and we played a clip before the break and it's not really an apology video she's kind of just trying to I feel like she's just trying to get sympathy it's so uncomfortable to watch so it's this like bare-faced mm-hmm. video she's like minimal makeup you know hair slicked back talking to the camera in like a her bedroom or yeah, something whatever. so it's like oh i'm just a girl i'm just a girl like i make mistakes i just talk <laughs> and i don't know what comes out of my mouth and some people hate it and i just don't even know what i'm doing i know and it's like okay that's still not an apology though i still feel like she has no idea why people are upset with what she's saying so to me this apology video just feels like how can I twist it so people see my side of things it doesn't feel like an apology at all and I will say and I talked about this a little bit last week when we talked about Wayne Brady coming out as pansexual Mm -hmm. I feel like there's this really bizarre expectation and pressure on celebrities today to just speak and declare things to crowds and to the public with social media. It's like you have to have an announcement for everything and an apology for everything and a declaration here. And like, it's really weird the way that they are expected to explain themselves for every little thing. It's kind of a bizarre formula. But it may be warranted in this case. (laughs) Rachel's attitude about Snow White is just, I think it's like, what there's nothing wrong with having love be a part of a story and there's nothing wrong with having love be the center of a story right if you look at the actual snow white movie the original cartoon i don't even yes there's prince charming yes there's you are awakened with a kiss these are just classic fairy tale tropes and elements this is like what makes a fairy tale what it is you don't have to change the essence of a fairy tale to remake it and what i actually think of when i think of snow white is the chase in the forest and that's and actually so much more of the plot it to be is. honest this, the, the, she's running for her life this is a young girl running for her life because of a jealous psycho stepmother who wants her dead and then she meets all these little dwarves and makes a home and like i just don't see why it's such an offensive film apparently to our no. modern you know female existence it's not it's not and i also just think regardless of any of that to it just goes back to being ungrateful it's not a good look on anybody and especially when you have the coveted role of a disney princess in a live action remake <laughs> that you don't fit the bill for anyway but that's beside the point it's like this is an honor to have been bestowed this role. So to treat it like, you know, oh yeah, but we're just going to change everything. And like, who knows if the love interest will be there or not? Like men, you know, (sighs) this is about women and leadership. It's like, first of all, get a grip, like watch the original movie, learn the story. How about you read the original by, you know, the Grimm brothers, like whatever. 
that's don't, not just a love story. No, it's like this has context that you're completely missing, you entitled brat. And Honestly. also, and also, again, it's just like you have the role of a lifetime here. You could leverage this into anything you wanted, and you have just made yourself completely unlikable to your entire target audience. And it wasn't even like, oh, I just made an error in one interview and slipped up. No, this is a consistent personality that she I'm seeing in each one of these little interviews and clips including the apology video and I hate even calling it an apology by the way because she never does apologize no. she never says she's sorry what she does throughout the rest of the video is she says you know like this is just new to me and my life is just I don't know what I'm doing you know and I have a lovely boyfriend and I have lovely friends and you know but I just hmm. I don't know what I'm doing in these interviews or whatever and it's like okay I've got a brief theory on the Disney remakes uh, on these live action remakes <laughs> Yeah. But I will keep it brief. Uh, I think that they are created to uh, cause this kind of rift. I think every every single time I hear about them, I, nobody wants to see them. I haven't heard anybody who's ever wanted to see them, mm. which does not account for the um, box office on the live action Lion King was, was enormous, apparently. <laughs> I don't know if that's global or whatever. But, but Because I've never heard anybody who wanted to watch them. What I hear every time I hear about them is people complaining about how irreverently they treat the source material and classic American values. And I think that's the attack that Disney's making. It's just a move on creating more dissent uh, of, of that variety. And what and what's their objective? Uh, Disney's bigger than we think. I don't know. I could, I could go on what I think about that. But, I, but that, that's what I've just noticed about these live-action remakes. Is every time I hear about them, it's some brat who's saying stuff that's like girls don't need men or that you know it's, it's just some new age kind of well uh, attack on the source material yeah. and the values i but. have i saw another quote and it's just oh my god please oh. yeah this is a quote from rachel zegler people are making these jokes about ours being the pc snow white where it's like yeah it is because it needed that oh wow if you had to put a rachel zegler quote on a t-shirt that would be the one <laughs> wow yeah no she she continually puts her foot in her mouth and seems to have no idea that people are upset about it and oh. understand why it's an 85 year old cartoon and our version is a refreshing story about a young woman who has a function beyond just wanting to meet prince charming or whatever did you I'm watch like, the movie why that's are you the star you don't belong here get no, out but also that's literally not the plot it's not the plot you don't know what you're talking about. I imagine she did really terribly in English class in high school. <laughs> like this girl did not read the literature at all. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, I have an op-ed this week. Yes. And so I've got funny backstory here. I have this friend. We went to grade school and high school together. We were never very close. We keep in touch through social media almost exclusively through, I guess we don't agree on a whole lot. Um, but basically, she sends me things once in a while and just asks my opinion on them. She, oh, yeah, it's a it's a weird that's relationship. That's kind of cool, though. Like it's for dialogue fun. purposes. Yeah, or? yeah, that's really just, cool. Yeah, and and we never get heated. She's very respectful. Like you know, it's mutual. But she sends me things just once in a while, especially lately. Things on parenting. She doesn't have kids. Um, I think she wants kids, but she doesn't have kids now. So she's always like, well, what do you think about this? Because yeah. I do. So she sent me this thing the other day. It was a, a Reddit thread. And um, I, a lot of times I feel very strongly about these things. I'm like, this is only one way to see it. There's no way that anybody could disagree with this. This one I thought was maybe potentially 
debatable. So I'm <laughs> curious. So the thread is, would I be the jerk if I don't change my son's name, even though it may cause him to lose an inheritance? So here's the story. All right. Okay. This woman got pregnant while she was taking a gap year traveling. She was 24. She met a guy. Uh, or no, she's 24 now. Sorry. She was 19 at the time. Got pregnant by a 23-year-old guy. He uh, was working like in the city she was in, whatever. And he wanted no part in this kid's life. She decided to keep the baby. So she has her child. This guy is aware that he has a kid, doesn't want anything to do with him. Um, so he, she did take him to court, though, and get child support. Through the court hearings to get the child support, his parents... So her child's grandparents were made aware of his existence. So even though his dad wanted nothing to do with him, the grandparents did. Oh, okay. And so they, um, they're very well off. They're very wealthy. They give him gifts for his birthday and for Christmas. They've invited the grandson and his mother um, on vacation with them. They gave her money to help her finish college so oh. that she wouldn't have to like postpone her degree. So... They get along okay. They're like cordial, but not super close. Anyway, three months ago, the child's father passed away in a tragic accident. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he um, was on a bachelor party. He tripped on the sidewalk and hit his head and that was it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so weird side note, not the point of the story though. Uh, she attended the funeral with her son and they spent a week in that city so the grandparents could see the kid. Mm -hmm. They approached her with an offer. They said they had no other children or grandchildren. Their son was only 28 at the time that he passed away, so they didn't have any other potential grandkids or kids on the mm -hmm. way, whatever. They said that if she changes the last name of her child, he has her last name, right, to theirs legally, that they would make him their primary heir. So if she changes her son's last name to match the grandparents' right, last name, right. then he will inherit money. She said she would consider it. She's on the fence. She's like, I don't know what to do about this. Yeah. Is my son going to hate me if I don't change his last name and he doesn't get this money? They're doing okay. They, like She has family. She has support. It's not like they're destitute and right. need the money. So that's thoughts? very interesting. Um, so my, my thoughts initially are if these grandparents on the – the paternal side there, if they're just present grandparents, like any grandparents would be, they are family mm -hmm. and will be in this kid's life until they don't have a choice. Then, I mean, I think it's something to consider. I I might. Really? Yeah. I mean, okay. they are family. It's not like you're doing it just for money. You're doing it for all parties involved. They want their name to continue on. They are your family at that point. If they are, you know, going to build a loving, close relationship with your son. And I think it would be something to consider. Now I wouldn't want to eliminate as the mother, my own last name. Like I might make it a middle name or a third name or something, mm -hmm. but I would consider it. I don't think it's an inappropriate now I do think okay. it's, and here's what I do think. I do think it's weird that they have to, they have to have the name to give the money. Like, I don't see why they would be stingy like that. And okay. That's the, like, that's the part that, why, why is there this caveat? Why do you have to, why do you have to have my son change his name in order for you to show that he's a part of your, you know, family through inheritance? 
Okay, so yeah, I'm. That's interesting to hear you say that that you would consider it because I felt very, very strongly, absolutely not. And here's why: because that is the dad's last name. Mm-hmm. The guy that wanted nothing to do with him didn't claim him as his own. Wasn't even in his life when his own parents were. And that's like, no, like I'm not gonna change my kid's last name to his dad's last name that didn't want any part of his life. Yeah, It's like those grandparents are out of line. If you love and care about your grandchild and want to pass that on, then show him that by loving him and just giving him that money. Besides the fact that if you love your grandchild, you wouldn't put his mother in that position to say, well, he's my kid. I chose him. I've claimed him since day one. And now I have to change his name to potentially get this money, but also... Like, no, I'm I, disinheriting him, basically, myself. I think you're right. I think my immediate thought was because I'm imagining I'm imagining a personality on these grandparents that sure. I can't attest to, you know? Yes. So it's, it's we don't know the ins and outs of that relationship. But I'm picturing I, something like the Gilmores. Okay, I'm picturing, for some reason I'm picturing, which I shouldn't, and but I was picturing two really sweet, humble you know, old people, which maybe they are they probably aren't if this They're is a request. Not. And that was my second thought. But my, my, my primary thought imagined two really sweet, humble old people. My secondary thought was like, wait a minute, though, if they're putting this offer out there the way that they are, that's probably not the kind of people they are. So you're right. right. If they're more of that, you know, Emily and whatever Gilmore look then i don't remember his name yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm blanking but then no you're right i do agree like why would you want why can't they just show love and be loving grandparents and then end a story that's that's your grandkid he gets the inheritance because who else will anyway right, like what, what are you gonna you, do with it what are you gonna do with it you're unless just you donate it? it all to something and then that's a noble cause sure and but that is interesting to put the mother in that situation it doesn't seem like the the kindest move. Well, no. And I also just think like you're the jerks that raised this dude that totally abandoned his child. Yeah. Like that's on you. Yeah. If you wanted a bigger part of his life, then maybe you should have raised a kid that wasn't such a brat. Yeah. Like that wasn't so problematic. And I'm sorry that he's gone. That's unfortunate. But no, I don't think you have any right to put your grandkid and your, you know, grandchild's mother in that position yeah and you know what if she's doing okay and if she's not worried financially and all that then then yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't even bother you're right i agree with you now (laughs) (laughs) all right guys well stick around for last call with ken krueger and we will be back uh not same time oh you're right so sorry yeah so we will be here next week but it will be a pre-recorded show because next sunday night where will we be anna at the jonas brothers concert i know this was my 30th birthday present from emily so i'm so excited yay so we'll have more to chat about in two weeks about joe burrs yes is S-R-1.